you only need to be validated by a small number of people, by the people that feel connected to you. Your by the, audience, yeah. Yeah, the people who the work that you do changes things for them yeah. and you make their lives a little bit better. Hello, all you wonderful, creative, curious people out there. This is Sage. Thank you for joining me on the Sage Arts Podcast. I am in the studio today with my better half, me. Brett. Me. Hi, me. <laughs> Brett Varen's here with me today. Uh, you know, that guy that Everybody. I live with yeah. and I'm married to. And spend a lot of time with. I spend so much time by. with. <laughs> <laughs> See, I brought Brett in today because I wanted to talk about the opposite of what we did in the last episode, which was I was talking about seeing the, the artist the way you see as an artist. So originally the conversation was about being seen rather than seen. And then we just kind of distilled it down to talking about audience, because so much of the conversation was about how do we deal with other people? How do the people see us? And when we say other people, we're talking about the people who are interested in what we're doing, whether they're buying our art or viewing our content or following us on social media or whatnot. So out of any of our creative endeavors, we generally have an audience. It's a big part of why many of us do what we do. Without an audience, some people, and I, I don't necessarily agree with this, some people feel like you're not creating art or it's not art until it has an audience. So that's something we'll also talk about. But yeah, the audience is so important in so much of what we do. And how does that affect what we do, the choices that we make? What is our relationship with the audience? And what is the audience's relationship with us? But before we really dive into this, let's quickly take care of some little bits of business. I usually do shout outs at this point, but even though listenership jumped up quite a bit last week, that seems to be mostly what you're doing, listening, which of course I don't object to, but also don't be shy to let me know what you think, good, bad, or otherwise. I love to hear from any and all of you, and I love saying hi on the airwaves, so reach out with any passionate or stray thoughts and get a shout out here on the podcast. You'll find links in the show notes to go to the contact page on thesagearts.com so you can leave me an email or a voice message. If you appreciate and value the work put into this podcast, you can give back by staying on the homepage at thesagearts.com and scrolling down to find the buy me a coffee and PayPal give back buttons or buy some stickers or polymer art related publications at 10thmusearts.com. That's 10th spelled out. There are links for all of these in the show notes as well. Regardless of your inclinations there, go ahead and click that follow button on your podcast player if that's how you're listening. That pushes me up the ranks, which I would love that help with. And it also puts new episodes in your podcast player feed so you know when they're available. You can also get notices of the most recent episodes plus associated bonus material when that's relevant for that episode by signing up for a little reminder email that I send out on the weekends. That's also at thesagearts.com on the homepage. Just look for the teal news and notices button there. Okay, my audience, back to the subject of audience. I think the questions you might be trying to answer for yourself during this listen is who is your audience and what is your relationship with them? What are you providing or sharing with your audience and what do you need from them? Okay, so I think the, the first thing to really contemplate when we're talking about audience is the question of whether you can make art without an audience. Because I think for both of us, we would make stuff regardless if anyone ever saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the exercise of a thing that you want to spend time doing just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Uh, and it's not for the purpose of having an audience necessarily. 
but right. it feels good to have an audience. It feels good to have an audience. And we'll definitely talk about why we might need one. Yeah, for me, same thing. I've always just made things. In fact, when I did the interview on the Handmade Mentor podcast, Vanessa asked me, when did I find the spark, the creative spark that made me want to be an artist? And I was just like, I, there wasn't one. I just always have been making things. I always make things. And I don't think having an audience or not would change that. If I was a hermit up in the mountains for whatever reason, because I was the last person alive in the apocalypse, I would still be making stuff. Yeah. I just, I couldn't not do it. So I think for some of us, it is an integral part of our fabric of who we are. And for other people, I think there are other rewards from the act of creating beyond just the process that may be instigative. Is that a word? <laughs> it may be an instigator for the the act and, and going on a creative journey. Yeah, we all have different reasons, right? Like, is right. it an escape from reality? Is it is it a a way to cope in the world? A way to make money. A way to make money. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons and all those things just make a different stew in each person. Yeah. You know. I have a theory, and I've probably mentioned this on the podcast already before, but it's to me it's a really important theory that we as human beings can't find like a real fulfilling deep happiness without creating because I think we need to take something that's inside us the things that are inside us and put it out in the world like we want to contribute to the world in some way and not just keep it all inside so creativity is really taking something that's in your mind that's in your emotions and putting it out in whatever form sometimes a tangible form sometimes a performance or music or whatnot but that just something of yourself is put out into the world and I feel like that's a really primal urge for people. And it comes in all different forms. Well, you're doing it right now with using words creatively and... Yeah, trying to share. <laughs> and, uh, you know, making a difference that way. Like this is your form of, in yeah. a way, your form yeah. of art. So that sharing is a real part of the process of seeing things grow and evolve. Yeah. These days with our global reach, social media allows us to be in touch with so many people. But that also becomes an issue for us as artists because we do have such a global reach because there is such an audience and we have the ability to reach out and get feedback from an audience in a way that artists didn't have before, like didn't have anything near what we do now. Uh, yeah. We can get feedback instantaneously. You put something up on Instagram or Facebook or whatnot, and you get immediate comments, you get likes, you get something, you get some kind of feedback. And so it's a very different landscape. And that was part of the conversation when we first started trying to delve into what we wanted to talk about was that when we were younger, you didn't have an audience. No. You know, yeah, when we... Yeah. You know, my parents, I guess. Right. Your yeah. parents or your friends or your classmates, if you were taking classes, you had an audience of sorts there that you get feedback from people. But today you can be doing whatever, whenever you can be six years old making, you know, finger paint art yeah. and maybe six years old. So it's a little old finger paint. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> all the six year olds out there are like, hey, yeah. Yeah. I'm into color pencils now. Dang it. But you can be very young and have a global audience. Just like that, just by getting online and putting stuff up there, or having crazy? your mother put stuff up there, whatever. That's normalized. That's going to be very right normal. Yeah, so yeah. it's, yeah. But we grew up without an audience. It's certainly yeah, a, a little wide bit more ranging in that, audience. In that world, yeah, for and, sure. Uh, we knew our audience when we were younger. Yeah. It was family, friends, and classmates, you know, people that you knew. Yeah, physical human beings, not physical. <laughs> and all these AIs yeah, out there. Everybody's... Yeah. But yeah, so it was a different kind of environment to develop as an artist because you didn't have to think about an audience. I remember in college, I don't know if we ever talked about audience. I don't think we ever talked about who our customers would be. 
And nowadays, I know like my niece is looking at going to uh, San Francisco State University, which was my where I got my master's degree in writing. But she's going there for music production. That's right. Yeah. And a big part of their conversation apparently is going to be about finding your customer base, finding your audience, finding your part of the industry that's going to fulfill what you need. And just the fact that they're talking about that is a huge change. Like we were in art school. It was all about art. There's such kind of like a purity to the conversation about art, I think. I Uh, thought there was. Oh, yeah. I can see that. You know, so we were just entrenched in making art. I don't know if anyone even talked about how are you going to sell your artwork, (laughs) you know? No. I mean, we made our rounds of the gallery circuits and towards the end of getting my degree, I know I started to get more involved and go to more galleries and try to get to know people. And I was pretty shy even then. So networking was still pretty hard. But, you know, you're like, at some point I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my art. You know, I'm going to have a career out of this. Am I going to sell it? But up until that point, we just made stuff. We just made stuff. Barely anyone else saw it. (laughs) For the the sake of making it, I I never really thought, oh, I'm being creative. That was never a thought. It just, you do it. Yeah. And I just love spending that time, put some music on and, and, and just uh, get lost in just get in lost the work. in it uh-huh. and yeah loved it well loved I, it. I know when I first started doing artwork I literally did it for no other purpose than I enjoyed it because when I went into college from high school I was actually a writing major yeah and then I started my first year of college and I just did art because it was fun but I had an art teacher I took a, a advanced life drawing class I think it was and he just kept prodding me <laughs> It's like, why aren't you an art major? Why aren't you an art major? And I'm like, well, I, you know, this is just for fun. I mean, I never wanted to really go into art. And and he was just like, he's like, come on, you should be an art major. Yeah. And that stuck <laughs> in my mind until I went to Long Beach. And then I thought, you know, maybe I will go into art and not into writing because I've been writing all my life. And I'm like, I think I need to know more about art if I want to continue doing this on a level. And that's when I was really thinking, yeah, maybe I need to do this more seriously. But the kind of moral of the story is, I spent 17, 18 years of my life doing all kinds of visual creative work without any intention whatsoever of having an audience. So I think I would say, at least in my personal experience, not having an audience initially was extremely helpful. It's it's liberating in a way because it's just pure. You're doing what you do. Because I was just learning about Mm -hmm. myself and what I wanted to do. And by the time I got out of college, I knew I loved working with wood. And charcoal. And I like to paint, but there's something missing in painting. I want it to be more dimensional and I want to have more texture. And so that's why polymer art fit for me because it has that. Yeah, it's basically sculpture. Yeah. But I got to know a lot about myself by not having an audience to think about. At least I think so. So not everybody has that luxury. If you want to get into particular material, sometimes you need to, as soon as possible, be churning things out to sell just to pay for what you're doing. I mean, something but you don't have it. to, you don't have to sell things. It could be something, you you know, if you have another way of making no, but money some, in some areas you do, like, let's say you wanted to go into jewelry art and you want to work with sterling and gold or any of those kinds of things. You can't, oh, unless, well. unless you're, you have, a, you know, a rich husband. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> or a rich or partner wife, right? or, <laughs> or, a, rich wife, or yeah. a lot of money in the bank. It's going to be a difficult thing to do yeah. without seeing the funds come back in. Now, if you're just sketching or doing color pencil or even polymer, which isn't terribly expensive, there is some investment in it. But if there's enough of an investment that it is a difficulty for your budget. 
yeah. then you may have to recoup. Recoup it. You may have to look into to I need an audience. Mm-hmm. I need to sell some stuff in mm-hmm. order to just so. fund yeah. my little obsession. So you're saying <laughs> or whatever. You're it saying is. there's an investment in having an audience. It helps validate the income. It it can help fund your yeah. your creativity, your art form, your so that's creative one, journey. That's one type of audience to seek. Yeah. There's different so, audiences to seek. Yeah. Right. And that's the first question. Do you need an audience? I would say if you don't need an audience, if you don't need to sell things, if you don't need to consider what other people think, I personally think that it is a fantastic time to just explore what you do and why you do it for yourself and find a personal voice if you can. And I would even include, and I know this is really hard these days, to not post it. Mm-hmm. Because even if you can say to yourself, oh, I don't care what people say, or I'm not going to post everything, so it's not going to be in the back of my mind. If you think you might put something online, I think for most of us, it's very hard to get rid of the consideration that what will people say? Will people like this? Will I get a lot of attention for this? You know, it's not a bad thing that we think like that. And I think that'll end up being part of the conversation as we go on. But I do think that we are influenced, even maybe unconsciously, that if something's going to be put out there, that what kind of reaction am I get? Will people like this? Is this the kind of thing that people want to see right now? It puts a value judgment on it that doesn't need to be there Yeah, during the process or after the process. Well, at least when you're trying to find your own voice, when you're first discovering, you know, what you're Mm -hmm. doing. And maybe you've been artistic before. And so you think "I, I can just go into this material, which is totally fine in new material. But maybe spend some time with the material before you start presenting it. I, I, it we're, all, world. we're all born with a voice. So even if your first child like little crayon sketches, draw a house, draw a little person, those are just as valid as, you know, when you're older. It's just all part of the stages of your journey. Well, we all have a voice. The problem is a lot of us don't know where it is. Our voice gets buried by the influences that oh, we have yeah, in society, suppose, by yeah. what, what other people have told us, by what we see. Yeah. When we spend a lot of time online looking at what other people do, we yeah. start to think, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, fulfills yeah. the need, fulfills the expectation. They're looking at Instagram and they see an example of something. They think, oh, that's the standard. It got a billion likes, so that's right, what I right. should do. Yeah, yeah. Because there is a desire to get an audience. So do you need an audience? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, But it's always nice. And it feels uh, like good to share what yeah. I do. You know, it validates it to a degree. So yeah, that kind of moves on to one of the other points here. What do we need from our audience? What are the things that we want to get from them? And I think, well, for a lot of people, <laughs> sales. <laughs> Besides their money? Buy, is that please. what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, Where's that is what I think. Because some of us don't want money from our audience. Very true. I wish I didn't have to ask for money. I wish I didn't have to... Say, hey, everybody, if you like what I'm doing, please send me money because, you know, I mean, I'm otherwise doing this for free. And for a little while, that'll be fine. But at some point, I'm going to have to be able to fund this podcast. Yeah. You know, otherwise I I can't keep doing it, you know. So sometimes we have to look and say we need sales. And sometimes you don't. But for some people, like if you have retired and you're just looking for something to do, you have enough income to put into your particular medium to continue doing it without having to have a business out of it. I mean, God, what wonderful freedom that is. You can make these things, you can give them away, you can give them to friends, you could sell them at a charity auction. That would be such great freedom to be able to do that. Although I think for some people, having someone pay for your work, is a kind of audience affirmation. And I think that's a huge thing for a lot of us that we want to get from an audience, whether it is people buying it 
or people liking it online or having your stuff in a gallery and hearing positive comments about your work. We need that affirmation that what we're doing is something of value to other people. So we can keep doing it. That's the way I look at it. Motivation-wise. It, help, it helps the, the roads open to be able to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We need the motivation to know that what we're doing has value to people beyond ourselves a lot of times. But yeah, so I think some of the things that we want from our audience is that affirmation. We're also talking about the fact that at certain ages, you want different things. I think when we're younger, we're looking for our place in society. So I think we need to actually be able to find our tribe, find acceptance. Sense of belonging. Those yeah. things are important when we're younger. We don't have social and financial security in our lives yet because we're just becoming. Mm -hmm. We're just becoming our own person and losing hold on the apron strings and that kind of thing. We want to know where we belong and where we're going to build our lives from. And then my theory is when you get older... It kind of turns from acceptance, although I think that's always part of it, knowing that you have a place in the community that you're in, but that we want to have a purpose. Most of us are not doing art that's going to help solve world hunger or world peace or alleviate homelessness or whatnot. But we want to know that what we're doing is purposeful because as you get older, especially into your retirement years and stuff, you start thinking about legacy. Yeah, you start thinking about what does it mean? I think it's human nature to want to be remembered that this energy, this like creativity that comes through us, this inclination, we want to be acknowledged that that matters. Yeah. And for it to last and for people to remember it, it's an encouragement in a way to pass it on to other people. So to immortality. To immortality. People. <laughs> Looking for immortality. I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy to think that. <laughs> I, I never really thought about immortality. I don't, I don't really consciously Wr feel like think I want. Writers about that. Yeah. That's a Do conversation yeah. and at least I have had. Well, when you put something out there outside of yourself and it can live on and be shared continuously, you know, books are particular that way because they can be printed in yeah. literally millions, millions of people could read your work and it could live on in history as part of you, you know, and artwork can too. Just the idea that what you do when you finally leave this plane of existence, that you will leave behind something of importance. I don't know. It's not about ourselves. It's about, you know, having this purpose. And, you know, it makes me think about like, where is this inclination come from? You know, but like we were talking about, like sometimes you look at social media, for instance, this is one of the reasons I have a hard time being on social media too much. And you see all the work that's being done out there. And I love seeing the beautiful work that people do. And I love seeing when people are excited about the things that they've completed. I and mean, that's why I get on there at all. But you are just one other little voice amongst millions of people trying to be seen, trying to be heard. It feels like it's just gushing in. The so why add to that? Yeah, it, I picture like a, a dam breaking, you know, the Hoover Dam is like, you know, this. <laughs> and it's like, what is one more drop of water in this big flood of, of right. awesome creativity and awesome people doing their thing? And, you know, thinking about this, what we were going to talk about with having an audience, it really put me through a whole process to really figure out like, wow, I had feelings about all that, you Man. know, and I didn't know exactly what they were, you know, until I you know, you had to kind of pull it out of me. <laughs> I like, did a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. I don't know why. It's just like a thing I don't think about that much. Though in what I do, I think about an audience. In cartoons, yeah. In so much that I am communicating and connecting yeah. with them to do something that's clear and funny and, and entertaining. That's the something I'd love to do. So I think about an audience there, but with my own work, how important is it? And why am I doing it? Is it to make money or is it to have fans 
You know, well, and, and that's it, yeah. The fan thing is like I think it comes to that subject of you want to stand out and you want to feel special. So if you have fans, you feel like you are special. And I think when yeah. online today, it's really hard to feel special when there's so many other people doing such amazing work. And I don't think there's anyone who get online and not think that someone else is doing something yeah. better than them, Absolutely. more important than them. And if you're comparing yourself to others yeah. and you're seeing all the, what you could perceive as either competition or what you could aspire to. So it could drive you, but more times than not, it makes a lot of people feel like, why? Oh my gosh, I'm going to do one more thing. And how is it going to be as good as, as that? Right. You know, and if it's not as good as that, why should I be doing it? And it's constant. And this is a big reason why I wanted to talk about this, because I think a lot of people do get frustrated by looking out at the landscape, which for many of us is represented by social media, the landscape of the communities that we're in as artists and the audience that we're trying to sell to. And I think we have perhaps too high an expectation of what we think we need for an audience. No one person is everybody's cup of tea. The fact is, is you only need to get maybe one other person's attention. It depends on what your goals are. But if you can change one other person's life for the better, your work has meaning. Your work has purpose. If you can change somebody's life from being dreary and humdrum and depressing by giving them something that gives them joy. Like I did art jewelry for a long time. And one of the main reasons I liked doing art jewelry was because I, I actually got to see people put them on because I'd be at these shows, you know, and they'd put this stuff on and then you could see them like yeah. stand a little taller and make them feel beautiful. And they were just just so happy to have these things that made them feel more confident about themselves. And that was just a really amazing, magical thing to be able to do with my artwork. And it's the same thing with it's a drawing, a painting, an illustration. Gave us a great purpose to your artwork. Yes, it, it lives beyond you. And even though we think, oh, I want all these people to pay attention to me, just show me validation that I'm better than most people. Therefore, what I'm doing is worthwhile. You only need to be validated by a small number of people, by the people that get you by the people that feel connected to you. Your by the, audience, yeah. Yeah, the people who the work that you do means something to them and that changes things for them, whether it's just something that makes them smile, something that makes them happy. They buy a picture and put it on the wall at home and every time they go by, it gives them a little lift, you know. Whatever that thing is, the sculpture that they leave on the bookcase that sits behind them at work, you know, and they turn around, they see this thing and it makes them happy to have those things it contributes to the environment that they live in or work in. Yeah. And you make their lives a little bit better by having work that gives them joy. So, And what were you saying about like doing the work, uh, your own work yourself, your own way, uh -huh. and then let the audience find it? Oh, yeah. So if you're trying to make artwork to fulfill what you think the general populace wants, then you're going to have a very hard time having a true, yeah. honest, authentic voice. Yeah, what are those fish biting on? I want to put that on my hook. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you know, all of us want to. We're like, hey, if that's working, I want that on my hook too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think it's better to try to focus on making what makes you happy. And then you find the audience, not yes. the other way around. Because p the audience will see what makes you happy yeah. in it. Well, if they do, then they will be attracted to it. And if they don't, then they don't. You can't miss that passion in the work. And I think that always attracts me as an audience right. member. It always makes me look at things more and it makes me want to have it around me and 
it encourages me. And I do have to acknowledge that a lot of what we're talking about in this portion of the conversation is a little idealistic in that if we have the luxury to just work on stuff that makes us happy and just have that voice, oh, if we yeah. don't have to sell our work, if it's not part of our income and we don't have to really pay attention to trends and market and whatnot in order to sell. Now, I think I've, I may have said this before and I apologize. I repeat certain things a lot that if you do have to sell your work and you do have to pander to an audience or really just pay attention to what the audience wants in order to sell, in order to make the money that you need, I hope you also have set time aside to make things that is purely for yourself because you want to continue to have your voice come out in your work, even if you are making things based on trends, the colors of the year, whatever that you are able to stay in touch with your own voice. I, I brought up a number of artists I know who do what they love on one hand, and then they do what the market wants. And I did that. I did that myself yeah. when I first started being a working artist because it's so hard to make a living at it. I originally went in making the things that I wanted were these kind of big, crazy necklaces. They're very ornate and very kind of almost costuming. I mean, they were just big. I went and sold at fantasy and science fiction art conventions because those are the kind of people that want to wear that kind of stuff. But it was still hard to sell. It was still hard to sell those pieces to that audience. It's not a big price ticket audience. So I couldn't sell those pieces for five or $600. I could sell them for 150 or $200 And maybe. the time it took you probably and was it, a lot. It wasn't necessarily yeah. worth it. So in order to make enough money to make what I was doing worthwhile, I did a lot of kind of gimmicky things. I made little fairy doors that you could bury in your garden and they would light up and, and these kinds of, you know, smaller things that I knew would sell. It and sounds would, like you, yeah, you sounds like you had your audience in mind with that. And, I did. And and, and I did that because I knew I, I could make X amount of those. They would sell, they would pay for my booth and my cost for getting there. And I know I would not lose money. Yeah. And then I just hope to sell the other stuff yeah. because that's where I would make the money. So I had to do both. I did the stuff that I wanted to do. And then I did the stuff I knew the market wanted as well. So if your audience is asking for one thing, but doesn't quite feel like what you want to be doing now, but you still kind of have to. I hope you don't set aside what you want to do, the things that you really want to be making and only do what the market's asking for. Because, you know, I think your artistic voice, having that come out is super important for you to have the joy of that. But I think for us, the bottom line is that you have to remember that everything that you do, no matter how small it seems, if you are adding to the betterment of our world, it is absolutely a important, worthwhile thing to be doing. And I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. And I think that's something to remember as an artist that you don't need to affect hundreds of thousands of people. You don't need to have 2000 likes on any one Instagram yeah, post. Things catch on. They don't catch on. Right. You just need to have a few people or a handful of people. You just need to have yeah. an audience that really enjoys what you do. And if you have that audience, if you if you've connected with people on any level, that they are better for what you do, then what you're doing is absolutely worthwhile. I mean, look at what you do for a living day to day. You make cartoons. Why do you make cartoons? I mean, why is that important? I think it's important because it gives people time in the day where they can laugh and smile and, and find something funny out in the world and, and see the world differently. Yeah, it tickles you and it makes you curious and question things. And yes. 
And this is something we were talking about the other day because he gets little royalties from various things that he wrote for or directed or whatnot. He yeah. still gets royalties for things. And they're from all over the world. Your The last check you got was like Argentina. It, it was $8 million. It, it was, <laughs> it was I, I $82. Was so yeah, yeah. But, so sometimes, yeah, it's like 80 bucks sometimes. But yeah. it lists all the places that these yeah, things that are playing. Watched. Some of them are things that you did. I mean, how long ago was the Grim Adventures yeah. of Billy and Mandy? It was like it was 1926, I believe, <laughs> when uh, just after the big war. Yeah. So Billy and Mandy was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's early 2000s. Yeah. 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 So and it's still being played in different places throughout the world. So it's kind of highlights the fact that our work goes on and has a life beyond what we do. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, that is crazy. Like at a show, I would sell these fairy doors. And I'm like, okay, good. I made my money. I, I'm able to pay for my booth. And that's where my thought is. My the the sale, So practical. So pragmatic. Sale, I know, yeah. but we can be very often, right? I yeah. think the sale of those doors, those little garden doors, was the end of my relationship with that art, right? But it's not the end of that relationship those pieces have with the people that took them home. And years later, I ran into someone at a show or whatnot. And they were like, oh, I bought one of your fairy doors like five, six years ago. And I still go out in my garden at night and it lights up and I think, oh, there's little fairies in my garden. It just makes me so happy. And I'm like, oh, my God, this thing is, you know. But a lot of our work does go on to have a life of its own. If it's a painting or a picture or whatnot that someone puts on a wall and it livens up the room, it could be a point of discussion between the family members that live there or a friend a that comes over. Huge argument. People, it could be some people can love it, some people can hate it. Divorce over it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wars are fought. Over. So, swords are drawn. But know. the fact is, is what we do does matter beyond what we know of it, beyond the sale of it, beyond yeah. when we hand it to somebody else. So if you're feeling like you don't know why you're bothering, you're bothering because you're going to make things better for someone by just the joy of your work and the joy they get out of it. We did, in the midst of that conversation, come up with another conversation, which we'll just touch on, but because I think we're going to do a whole nother podcast. And that is the fact that sometimes you do artwork that makes people upset yeah. or mad or pushes their perception of things. And this usually spearheads innovation. We've talked about the expressionists and, and the impressionists and, and all these people a lot lately, but they a lot of times really push the idea of art. Duchamp and his his urinal. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's yeah, this porcelain thing sitting on a stand in a art gallery and people were just infuriated. I mean, what he was doing was really pushing people to think beyond what they thought was proper. And sometimes it made people think. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. art is needed in order to push people's ideas, and it's not going to make them happy. It's what changes minds. Right. Yeah. So you are considering the audience at that point as well. Yeah, that's true. But you're considering pushing them. Innovation can be hard and can push people away. And some art can be alienating. A lot of art that's done for social change is made to make people uncomfortable so that they do stop and think about yeah. it deeper than going by, ooh, pretty picture, yeah. ooh, nice sculpture. Something to get your attention mm-hmm. that aspires to be different. They challenge boundaries. Yeah. But if you're going to be innovative and you're going to upset, frustrate, enrage, uh, push your audience. Change minds. That's intention. If that's your intention, then you are speaking to your audience and you are thinking about yeah. your audience, offering them a different view, even if it's upsetting, to get them to see the world differently and to hopefully enact change or even just change their own behavior. You know, again, still trying to make the world better. I guess that brings to the question, which we've kind of touched on, but when should the audience dictate our work? When should we let the market tell us what to do? When should we let the general audience or society determine our work? 
And I think in a lot of ways, hopefully it won't. That's like kind of the almost knee-jerk reaction. They shouldn't tell us what to do. We're artists. But sometimes you do want to let the audience dictate what you make because you want to be heard. You've got to feed them what they want in order to get them to the point where they're paying attention to you. You know, so if you want to make social change, for instance, you're going to have to get their attention first, you know, before you can probably feed them something that may not be that comfortable or may be hard for them to contemplate or ask for changes that may be hard for them to do. So at that point, I think, yeah, you might be needing to let the audience dictate what you do in order to get the end result that you want. And then there's other times when your work is actually fed by the audience. There are times where the audience is part of the decision-making, like Christy Friesen. I interviewed her on episode five. She does a lot of online interactive classes and chats and that kinds of things with her audience. So what she makes with and for them is a lot based on what it is that they want, what it is that they're leaning towards the things that they enjoy. She makes what she wants and then says, hey, guys, you want to make this. (laughs) But she started by developing a particular style that was fairly easy to emulate in terms of skill levels, but is intricate enough for her to continue to have class after class that she can show them. So she does read her audience. She does feedback to her audience what she believes that they want. She also does her own work, both for them and separately. So I think when you do have something that you want the audience to tell you, you know, what kind of classes do you want? What kind of tutorials do you want? What kind of custom work do you want me to have available? Then in those cases, I think you do want to listen to your audience. In cartoons, you have two audiences, right? Yeah. Well, maybe three audiences. Yeah, the audiences watch this show and then you have the advertisers and the advertisers dictate to the executives and all the higher ups what it is you guys need to be making, right? You could put it that way. Yeah. It depends on, you know, the studio itself and how much they listen to the advertisers. But yeah, it comes down to money and what will make it and what won't. And we're lucky as artists, most of the time, we don't have to deal with like kind of the multi-level audience, but sometimes we do. Like if you want to be in a particular show, you have to get juried in. Like the show I did in Atlanta every year, you had to send in your work and compete with other people who are trying to get in the show as well. So you have to send them the type of work. And I, I know I would make at least two or three pieces that I knew would feed to that jury. I was like, oh, this jury would love to see this kind of work. It's a little different than I've been doing last year. It's definitely different than everything else that I've been seeing brought to the show. And I did that to make sure that I stood out and kind of guarantee myself a position Mm -hmm. and a booth at that show. Yeah. So that's a multi-level thing because it's not just the market that you're going to sell to when you get there, but the people are going to decide whether you get to get there in the first place. Now, if you don't let the audience dictate what you're doing and you just do whatever you want, there are times that you're going to put something out there and the audience that you think is your audience doesn't like what you do. It could hurt motivation a little bit. Yeah. But if it's the drive is strong enough to want to do it and it brings you enough joy, then you will keep doing it. Yeah. But, you know, no one likes to share a part of themselves and have someone say boo. Yeah, I know. (laughs) know? And uh, so you don't want to share anything too, I guess, in a way too intimate. But some people do. Some people like share everything that they do. Like they record the process of making things all the time. They record all the messy stuff even, you know. And sometimes I think, you know, there's kind of like a loss of mystery. You can see how they made it and like, oh, that's how they made it versus like just staring at something and wondering, going, 
how did you do that? It's more magical. Right? Maybe that's a romantic way of thinking. Yeah. But I, I think life should have romance and should have some <laughs> mystery. It does have mystery. It do, yeah, it always you has know, some mystery. Even, even when we figure things out, it's still a mystery. In There's some, still aspects. In some, way, yeah. in some ways you could always yeah. look at, you know. Yeah. But there definitely is something to be said for the more you share with people, the more your audience gets to know you the more likely they are to buy and purchase and support. Personally, I've had that experience. That would go to my intention at the time when I was a working artist was to pay my bills. <laughs> and so I did find that when I was at a show, like, cause I did, I did a lot of these shows where you would just mail in your work and they would hang it for you and then send you whatever you made uh, and send your work back to you. And those are great because you didn't have to travel. You didn't have to put in all the expenses of going to the show. But when I didn't go to the show, I probably sold on average probably 25% of what I sent. When I was at the show, I sold out at a lot of my shows. And what I mean by being at the shows, I was there and I was available and I was present. I was doing classes. I was on panels. I had a booth where people could talk to me. One of those things was part of the time that I was there that weekend. And doing the classes or doing presentations on panels was definitely the best. Because people got to know me because I got to talk about what I did and why I did it. And not all artists are like that. You shared yourself. Yeah. And yeah. people respond to that. You also probably share stories about why you created the art or. Yeah. A lot of the stuff I did was usually teaching. That's the number one thing I did. But I did do panels where I would talk about my process or what I did or the other things that I do. Because a lot of times I'd end up on panels for my publication efforts or my event organizing or whatnot because I used to organize art shows. Yeah. So I would be on panels for that kind of thing, too. But the better people get to know you, the more they feel like you're a friend of theirs. It adds a dimension to the work when mm. they go, oh, I remember her from this class. I remember her from this talk. Or they would buy the art because it meant more to them. Yeah. It had more significance because they got to know the artist. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that in order to get ahead on social media, you have to show your process or whatnot. I don't. Because number one, I don't have time. <laughs> It's hard to do everything that I want to do as it is. So I choose not to do that. But also my intention, my purpose, my end goals are not to sell. It is to promote aspects to making art or creativity or whatnot. I don't need to show my process in order to do the things I want to do. Now, if you're selling artists, it does kind of help if you are showing process that people get to know you and what you do. Because all kinds of people just put up their images of their work. And that's pretty common. The people who show you the behind the scenes stuff, you get to understand what they're doing and processes and the tools and the materials. And so when you look at the work, you see not just the image, but you see the process behind it because you've seen examples of it through reels on Instagram or yeah, reels on Facebook or whatever. We have such an intrigue with how things are done. We're shown how to do mm -hmm. so many, so, yeah. so, so many things that that's just the norm now. So I don't think people want as much illusion. My dad loves this movie, The War of the Worlds, you know, yeah. and everyone talks about how they were models, the alien spaceships that came in. They're just hanging on strings. You yeah. Know? And if you watch it in like 4K, you can see the, the screens. the old War of the Worlds. The old War, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. When was uh, that? When was that film? Yeah, there was, I forgot that there's the Tom Cruise version, but I'm talking about <laughs> the, uh, the original one from the 1950s. He, he doesn't want to see the documentaries on how something is made. He doesn't want to see the artist's process. He just wants right. uh, to be taken away on a journey. And that's what entertainment is to him. Right, right. It was a really interesting viewpoint on the episode on mm -hmm. AI art mm -hmm. that my friend Jim Brown was saying, because I had been talking about AI will never be able to have the history that real people have and that 
all the marks that are made on a canvas are made by a person and, you know, the, how that adds to the art. And he said, I don't care about that. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, oh, yeah, some people don't. <laughs> so some people don't care about yeah. all that background. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, some people just want to have a pretty image or an impressive image or something that makes them happy. And that's or, all they want out or of that it. That fulfills a purpose or yeah. 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 Regardless of how it became what it became. Like most of us buy our clothes and never think about how did someone make this pattern and how did someone yeah. print this out and, and cut it and sew it. And, you know, we don't think about that stuff unless it ends up in the news that it was child labor or something like that. But yeah, most of the time we don't care. We just buy these things. Oh, it's pretty. I like that. It's just that we don't, think beyond that we don't need to know more than that yeah you know we don't need to know how it was made but if we're showing how we make art then mm -hmm. people are interested in that but yeah some people yeah. just don't want to know a, i think it's a phenomenon now people just enjoy that yeah want to see more so it could be a thing for your audience to know more than just what your work looks like but to know how it was made why you made it where your inspiration came from, where your materials came from. Mm -hmm. So it could be a thing to give them that additional dimension. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, so we have traveled around all kinds of subjects and I think we had other ones that we discussed, but I think we're going to just have to close this up because it's a big subject. Yeah. It always just builds and builds and there's always more to say about this stuff. I, I know it's crazy. The subjects that we talk about, there is so much more to be discussed beyond what these short, you know, half an hour, 45 minute discussions. So if you are enjoying this, you should definitely take some of this information and go talk to your artist friends. If you have a guild, bring some of the subject matter to the guild and get a conversation going and see what other people think. Because the points of view that we're giving you, I mean, we do go and we research stuff. And we try to bring in information outside of our own experience, but it is a lot of our opinion and our viewpoints. So if you have other things, you know, definitely continue the conversation and see what else you can find out. And if something is piqued your interest, delve into it, research it. I think these are really important conversations that go beyond just you listening to us, which is fantastic. I love that you're here. But the various aspects of this, it just can go on and on. And if you have an interest in it, I think it will really inform your artwork and your journey as an artist to delve into these things deeper. So that said, thank you, Brett, again joining me you're welcome and for not cracking me up too often because <laughs> that, that, sometimes we do this and it, we record for like two hours yeah. or three hours i think it's been about two hours right <laughs> no, not quite that. Yeah. and then i have to edit it down to something that's manageable that's but, true but yeah thank you for coming back and joining us again on this and if you want to give me any feedback on any of the things that we're talking about definitely Send me an email, send me a voice message. You can get that on the sagearts.com website, on the contact page. You'll find a form there for the email or a button for the voice messages. And then you can also join us on social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. Both are listed under the Sage Arts Podcast. All these are also linked in the show notes. And if you find what I'm doing is valuable and you want to give back, you're welcome to do so on the homepage of the sagearts.com and also in the show notes. There are links to the Buy Me a Coffee page, the PayPal donation button. You can also buy stickers or buy some polymer books or magazines that also help support this podcast. You can get those stickers and publications at 10thmusearts.com. That's T-N-T-H musearts.com. So that said, we are going to leave you with those thoughts. Unless, Brett, you have any last things to say? I don't really have anything to say except happy finding your audience. Get out there and, and have fun finding your audience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do your thing. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Please do remember to feed your muse, find innovative and fun and interesting things to feed your muse with. Be true to your weirdness. And we'll see you again next time on the Sage Arts Podcast.